Once upon a time, there was a leaky basement. This is Prime Law Podcast, your source for good counsel. I'm your host, Andrew J. Mertzenich, licensed attorney. Welcome to another episode here on Prime Law Podcast. Today, we are continuing our serial on real estate closings. I've noticed that the show has a tendency to not use a single episode to talk about a topic, but rather takes the course of a few episodes to talk about a particular subject. For instance, the first few episodes in our series dealt with your estate plan and the probate process. Our last episode, the one you're currently listening to, and future episodes will take you through real estate transactions, including mortgages, homeowners, and condominium associations, and the topic of today's episode, real estate disclosures. So with that, let's dive right into the history of real estate. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then the lawyers and the realtors stepped in. So they say that Latin is a dead language, but... In fact, it turns up in all sorts of places. Case in point, in ye olden days, and even up to the very recent day, the most instructive doctrine of real estate purchasing was that of caveat emptor. Now, buying or selling a home can be confusing enough without bringing in a different language, but let's break it down. Caveat emptor is a Latin phrase, and it roughly translates to let the buyer beware. And in practice, what this doctrine enforces is the idea that the buyer receives what they get, even if it has major flaws. So if unknown problems turn up after the sale, the seller is not responsible for them, and that leaves the buyer on the hook. It takes the liability off of the seller and lets the buyer know they're purchasing the property at their own risk. This was the traditional rule of real estate purchases. Therefore, the buyers had all of the responsibility to do their due diligence in inspecting and appraising the property prior to entering a purchase contract. However, in most states, sellers are now required to disclose all known problems with the property. And so, where caveat emptor was once the standard everywhere, That trend has shifted over the past several decades to the trend of caveat venditor. Venditor is the root of vendor, and you may know vending machine or a vendor as someone who carries things, a seller. And caveat venditor is the opposite of caveat emptor. This trend attempts to place some or all of the burden upon sellers to disclose material defects in real property so that the buyer is fully informed, and it also creates liability on the part of sellers for not disclosing those defects. So if you're a seller, protecting yourself starts with disclosing everything you've done with the property or any concerns that you have with the property. This includes repairs that have been done, property defects, or potential property disputes. Property defects being specifically things that are not working, any major leaks, or any type of seepage, any non-working components in a septic system, all of that. Potential property disputes include whether or not a person may have a claim of adverse possession on your property. 
or whether or not there is an encroachment, that is, someone is on your property that shouldn't be. My advice is err on the side of over-disclosing, as you would rather reveal too much than get in trouble down the line for not revealing enough. And also avoid the half-truths. Those are, well, I told you about the leaking. Yeah, but you didn't tell me about the flood. So all of this in practicum means that caveat emptor is pretty much going the way of the dodo, except in some unique circumstances. However, luck favors the prepared, and some states are more lenient on what sellers must disclose than others. In areas where caveat emptor is still the standard, buyers need to be extra careful. Sellers who fail to disclose issues on the property could lead to bad surprises in the future. If you're the buyer, though, taking the proper steps to ensure that you're aware of all property defects is also essential because you can't go into a transaction blind and then claim problems later. So what you should do is read through and analyze the seller's disclosures. We'll go over those in a minute. Look through the areas that they note, which show defects or damage. See it with your own eyes. If there's a small amount of visible damage, assume that there could be much more out of sight, especially if it's the case of rot or mold. One of the best things you can do and should do in any transaction is hire a reputable housing inspector and read the inspection report. They can be long, they can be boring, they can be voluminous, but they contain from a learned eye what someone thinks of a property. At your inspection, bring along a cell phone and test each wall outlet. Make sure that they all work. Check the electrical switches and every appliance that's coming with the home. Think about the dishwasher, the stove, the refrigerator, all those. Test all sources of water, which includes toilets, drains, and sinks. It's sad, but we do live with some dishonest people. Move rugs around and look for cracks. Look at the wall hangings that are out of the way and see if they're covering anything that's unsightly. If something turns up, ask your inspector about it. See what they recommend. They probably know some local contractors who could give you a quote on fixing it. And if you still suspect an issue, talk with your real estate agent. Your real estate agent, if you have a concern, can use that as leverage towards either a better price or sometimes to even allow you to exit the contract if it's something bad. Even in a tough real estate market, you should take steps to protect yourself. And that's why we have the disclosures and why buyers still should inspect the property. Seller disclosures. So, as we've said before, Prime Law Group has attorneys that are licensed in the state of Illinois, so we will use the state of Illinois as our example state in this case. And we've talked about caveat emptor, which said the buyer beware, but many states, including Illinois, have enacted laws that require disclosure of certain defects. Illinois specifically has the Real Estate Disclosure Act, which became effective in 1998. This act was designed to protect purchasers, buyers of residential real estate from sellers that failed to disclose important information during the sale process. Under prior law, sellers were not required to disclose certain information about property unless they were expressly asked about any given issue. So if you didn't ask about the leaks or the septic system or the roofs or any type of potential flooding, 
then the buyers had to deal with it when the problem arose, and as we learned, the sellers would not have liability. So what do you have to disclose under the Disclosure Act? Well, first, the seller will generate a disclosure report, and this report will list different questions to be completed by the party selling the home. It's about 23 questions, give or take. Some of the issues that they go over are what said material defects. Now, this can include things like a malfunctioning HVAC system, or damaged fixtures, or faulty wiring, or even old wiring, such as knob and tube systems. The report also goes over flooding instances. That is, it includes all instances of known flooding, regardless of the source. Sellers must also disclose on the report unsafe conditions, which includes structural defects like foundation damage or a leaky roof. Environmental issues are also covered, and this includes things like lead paint and asbestos. And it is important to note that sellers are not required to test for radon in Illinois, even though radon, which is an odorless, colorless, radioactive gas that is a leading cause of lung cancer, is prevalent in many basements and crawl spaces. A little bit of advice, take the $5 radon test and get tested. It is great peace of mind when you're buying a home. Moving on, the report also will talk about insects and pest control. That includes termite infestation, carpenter ants, anything that could potentially damage the structure. And finally, sellers must talk about soil conditions. Soil conditions including those things that could jeopardize the structure of the house, which includes abandoned wells or septic fields. disclosure form. Well, usually if you are using a real estate agent, your agent will provide it before you even list the house because they usually include the disclosure with their housing listing. If you are not using a real estate agent, then this form is one you can download offline. It's the same form all around. You fill it out and you sign it. Now, we at Prime Law Group also recommend that you speak with your attorney regarding what you need to disclose. If you'll forgive some shameless marketing, we'd like you to call us. But the rule of thumb, though, is the more information, the better. The form is going to guide you through the areas we've talked about, but the form will specifically focus on what are known as material defects. That's the buzzword for today, material defects. Material defects have a specific meaning under the Act and are defined as conditions that substantially impair the value of the property or the safety of its occupants. Now, here's the question. Does the occasional wasp nest in the attic vent arise to material defect? Well, it depends, and it will not always be clear whether a known condition arises to the level of a material defect that you are required to disclose. If you're unsure whether to disclose an issue, it's better to disclose it than risk a future lawsuit by an unhappy buyer. An Illinois real estate attorney, like those that we have here at Prime Law Group, can be indispensable in helping you to determine which items should be disclosed. But I digress. It is important to note that the law does not require you to actively search for defects. For instance, you have no duty to have the property inspected prior to completing the disclosure report. The law is only concerned 
with the material defects that you have actual knowledge of. Now, here's something that can sometimes happen. What if you learn of a material defect after you've sent the completed disclosure report? Most common that I've ever seen is that a house flipper has bought a house and they fix it up and they put it on the market and then they come to find out it has a leaky basement. Well, if you learn of a material defect after you have sent the completed disclosure report to the buyer, then you must send the buyer what is known as a supplemental disclosure as soon as possible. Usually this just includes filling out the same disclosure report that we've talked about and sending it to the buyer again. Now, it is important for sellers to be truthful and properly disclose all the known issues with a property. Even if it's not within the scope of the report, if it is something that affects the value or more importantly, the safety of the property, you should disclose it. There is simply too much to lose by failing to properly disclose all known issues when selling your home or any real estate. And that's because if you do not accurately answer all the questions on the disclosure report or you fail to disclose a material defect, you can have the result of a significant liability as a seller. And sometimes it can even undo the sale of a property. While these disclosures are often that look in the mirror that people don't always want to see, and it may scare off potential buyers, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and money down the road should the buyer learn that you failed to properly disclose all known defects, because I can assure you, they will bring a lawsuit, and many form contracts include what is known as a fee-shifting clause, which means that you'll not only be on the hook for the damages for the failure to disclose, but your own attorney's fees, the buyer's attorney's fees, and court costs, and possibly punitive damages if the court feels it's warranted. It is not worth the risk of liability to hide defects. And if you have any questions as to whether or not you should disclose something on the disclosure report or just in general, you can call your local attorney at Prime Law Group and we'd be happy to help you. And in that light, we have reached the end of another episode of Prime Law Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Andrew Mertzenich, your host. We'll see you next time. Congratulations, you've reached the disclaimer. This podcast is a production of Prime Law Group, LLC, who are attorneys licensed only in the state of Illinois. The primary purpose of this podcast is educational in nature and does not constitute legal advice of any kind. While we love that you are a devout listener, please note that no attorney-client relationship is created by your listening or acting upon anything you hear in this podcast. References to any specific product or service does not function as endorsement or recommendation of the same. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the show are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. For more information, go to www.primelawgroup.com.